Hi, welcome to It's Astrological. I'm your host, Lynette Winterstrom, founder of Cosmic Moves Astrology. I think I'm going to say this before every episode, but I am so excited for today's episode. I talked to my friend and colleague in astrology, Dee, of Self-Help Witch. Dee is a fellow astrologer, but both of our practices are really focused on helping everybody to understand astrology and to use it to help themselves. So we really do our best to break down anything that might be too technical and I actually do talk about her chart, so you'll be able to pull that up in the show notes so that you can follow along if you feel so inclined. Dee's practice is all about supporting magical women on a quest to live their most meaningful lives through providing tools for cultivating a deeper connection to self. I talk to her about what a self-help witch is what a self-awareness advocate is, and all of the beautiful ways that she shares her knowledge about those things and her gifts to help anybody to tap into who they are. And she is so vulnerable and open about her own journey and the things that brought her to discovering her spirituality and ultimately creating a community of people that she could serve. And so I think that you'll find it inspiring and informative. And we talk about things from how spellcasting is really just having a clear intention to how self-help work actually isn't just helping us, it's helping all of humanity. How the planet Neptune can really take us on a spiritual roller coaster ride. And also I think especially if you're new to astrology, she has some really great advice at the end about how not to be overwhelmed by learning astrology, how to take it step by step. And for everybody, we talk a lot about how things might be perceived as hard or challenging or bad when you're first learning your chart or anytime you're looking at your chart and how you can alchemize or transmute those energies to really be growth points and turn those into gifts. So I hope you will enjoy our conversation. I'm sure you will learn so much just hearing Dee's perspective on spirituality, on astrology, and I know I enjoyed just talking to her about these things. So keep those headphones in and enjoy my conversation with Dee of Self-Help Witch. Hi Dee. Hi. Thank you for coming on It's Astrological. You're one of my first guests that I'm interviewing, and I'm so excited about it. I'm so grateful to you. So a little background for everybody. We met through a shared intuitive business group, and you said something about starting an astrology business, and I was like, I'm going to be brave (laughs) and be like, hey, me too, (laughs) and we just hit it off from there, and we're kind of on a similar journey about having a day employment place, but also having this passion for astrology and all things, I guess, kind of self-care and learning about ourselves. And I've been super grateful to really consider you like my only colleague in this adventure that I'm on. So we've never met in person, 
we've probably talked less than 10 times, but that's changing because now we talk all the time. And I absolutely love what you do and what you offer to the world. Before we dive into all things astrological, can you share a little bit about what a self-help witch is, what a self-awareness advocate is, and how you share those gifts with the world? Yes. First, thanks for having me. Very excited to be here with you. Yeah, a self-help witch, great question. This term kind of came to me after maybe like a year of thinking about how I wanted to present myself and my astrological offerings. Because what astrology did for me was it really reconnected me with the truth of who I am and also with my spirituality, which was not something I was looking for. So it really kind of came out of nowhere for me that something that was missing for me was a spiritual life. And for me, that just means it's synonymous with self-help. And so that's why self-help, which it's actually almost kind of redundant because to me, self-help and spirituality, which is like really what which stands for to me, are the same. That they're both about remembering your truth. And I know when we think of spirituality, at least for me, and if anybody else out there grew up in a big box religious community, if you want to call it that, it can be hard to identify with religion and spirituality because we didn't have great experiences. But I'm here to say that not only is self-help work helping you reclaim your life for yourself, it's helping you reclaim your spirit. It's like that part of you that is here that goes beyond the mundane day-to-day stuff. And when you do your self-help work, like you're empowering yourself and empowering other people. Because I really believe that your self-help work is really about humanity. Like it's about making the world a better place by being the best version of yourself. So I just feel like self-help work is alchemizing and that it is really a spiritual practice. I love that. And I think when we think about witches, we think about spells and magic and alchemy. So how did you connect the dots there between doing all of that and astrology. I was learning about witchcraft and part of my, a big part really of my self-help journey has been, and self-awareness journey, I guess I'll call it, is like knowing what I want, finding clarity, finding a way to figure out what I want. And as I was learning about spell work, I was realizing that you really can't do a spell without a clear intention. So In that moment, I saw the synergy that we were just talking about, about how my self-help work, the work I do on myself, it does everything. Like it's helping me clarify my intentions and how can I cast a spell without knowing what I want? How can I live a happy life without knowing what I want? How can I live a meaningful life? Like, let's go beyond happy. What's Mm -hmm. a purposeful life to me? You know, so that's the spiritual component. You know, it goes beyond like worldly accomplishments, which matter to me. Like, don't get me wrong, (laughs) but it's about a deeper level of fulfillment. So that was kind of the way in. It's just recognizing like, if I don't know what I want, I cannot have an intention and I cannot cast a spell. So where's my power? My power was gone without that clarity, without that knowledge. Mm -hmm. And then astrology was kind of your gateway into being like, oh, this is who I am. (laughs) Well, you know, it started with tarot for me, actually. I knew about my birth chart 
probably like in 2017 was the first time I ever saw it. And it didn't really stick with me at that time, but it was from a friend who also does tarot and she would read tarot for me anytime we would hang out. So fast forward two years and I was feeling really lost, like probably the most lost (laughs) I've ever felt. And I, I just remembered tarot and I, for some reason, astrology felt out of reach. Like it felt too technical. It felt Mm -hmm. like I just didn't think that it would help me as quickly as tarot might. And, you know, when I got into tarot, I liked it, but I also was like, I'm not sure if what I'm getting from this is me or a projection, or is it really my guides? Like I didn't, Mm -hmm. my, my practice was so new that I was like, I feel like I need something a little more objective and concrete right now actually. So from there, I was like, okay, let me look at my birth chart. And then it was like game over. (laughs) (laughs) You're down the rabbit hole. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So how do you offer your astrological gifts to the world? I know you have your podcast, Self Help Witch. And what else? Tell us everything. Well, right now I'm offering cosmic mirror birth chart readings, which are birth chart readings. And I try to articulate it in such a way that it's like, Really what I'm about with astrology is helping people see themselves. I feel like a mirror is such a good symbol for it. It's just like, here is the truth of who you are. (laughs) And, you know, I, I hesitate to even say it like that because I don't believe that I'm telling anybody something about themselves that they don't already know. I'm just translating what's here. And by you or whoever, you know, the reading is for hearing me explain it, something is clicking for you. So I'm not really doing anything except translating. That's sort of how I look at what I'm doing. But I care very much about this process because this was something that I went through. So for me, I'm pretty new to astrology. You know what I mean? Like I'm still learning, but I think my strength is that I have been through this myself. You know, (laughs) I've been through this journey of rediscovery and reconnecting to who I am. So I know how hard it is and I know how lonely it is. So that's really who I'm here to help are the people that are trying to reclaim this part of themselves that they recognize is there, but they can't quite articulate it. I was actually surprised when I read your info about how new you are to astrology. I was like, she's only been doing this for a few years and she's so advanced, really done your homework. And obviously it resonates with you, right? I think that's what's so important. Because like you said, I always tell people when you look at a birth chart and you're like, okay, it's a bunch of squiggles and pizza slices and like whatever, (laughs) like how do you make sense of any of this, right? And that's, to your point, our job is the translators, right? Like we're the interpreters of the cosmos. But I guess at the very beginning, the things that we learn are our big three, right? Most people know what their sun sign is. And then like people are like, oh, what's your rising sign? You're like, oh, there's more. And then, you know, you have a moon sign and a Mars sign and a Venus sign. So since it's astrological, what are your big three? What's your sun, moon, and rising? I am a Pisces sun, a Gemini moon, and a Libra rising. Okay. And how do you feel about those? Do they resonate (laughs) with you? Do they not? Are you still learning about them? You know, it's interesting because I always knew about astrology, you know, like from Cosmo Girl. (laughs) And I knew I was a Pisces sun, but I didn't ever really feel like that dreamer, hippie girl that Pisces are always depicted to be. So I just never really vibed with it. And then when I learned about my rising sign, I was like, okay, (laughs) that's me. And 
I, like I told you, I was learning about my rising sign as I was already going through this self-awareness journey. So because I had that lens, I was like, oh, I don't resonate with my Pisces son because I've been in the shadow of Libra and people pleasing and I have no idea who I am. So I was like, wow, like it gave me really deep insight really quickly. And as far as my Gemini moon, I definitely vibe. It's interesting because most of my closest friends are Geminis. So I thought that was kind of funny when I realized that. And I'm incredibly curious. I love to talk. Definitely my love language is talking, which like it's words of (laughs) affirmation, but mine's talking, like just talking forever. So since you are an astrologer, I'll ask you kind of a bonus question. What is your one-liner about what the sun is, what the rising sign is, and what the moon is? Okay, well... I don't have any one-liners because I'm, I talk okay, like, a five, yeah, you're Gemini moon. <laughs> it's a okay. lot of words, but I do What's have your summary? <laughs> um, yeah, less than 400 words, please. Okay. <laughs> so I always like to think about what the sun and the moon do, that they're two luminaries and that the moon reflects the light of the sun. So I think of the sun as the spirit that can't die, you know, that part of you that is eternal. And I think of the moon as all things embodied and that our spirit, the sun illuminates us through the moon so that we, we kind of see how like the sun and the moon work together in that way. I think that's really helpful instead of thinking about them opposite, not opposite, but just separately. And then the rising sign to me is like the filter through which you see the world. I actually was reading about it recently and someone described it as like the key that like if your life was a song, it'd be like the, the mm-hmm. key of the song, oh. which I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's interesting. That was so short. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. It was a feat. <laughs> I also saw something recently because the rising sign is often like, the mask you show to the world or like your appearance. And I think sometimes it does show up that way. And there are probably similarities between physical appearances if you did like a study of a million people. But one of my favorite astrologers, Gemini Brett, said your rising sign is what's rising in you. And so I think that kind of taking a different perspective of, yes, the sun and the rising together make up who you are, like your most authentic self. But I think like you, I also didn't relate to my sun sign for a really long time. And we grow into our charts over the course of our whole life. And that's part of our journey of understanding ourselves and self-awareness and all of those things that you were talking about. But being able to grab on to either your sun or your rising, I think almost gives you the foundation to be able to start working with the other one and be like, what is this part of me? Why don't I resonate with that? And maybe even exploring it beyond the five keywords that you get in a Google search. Totally. I feel like you're right. You know, you've got to have something else. Like if the sun sign doesn't resonate, you need something else to think about to, to say, all right, well, then what's taking its place? You know, like what mm-hmm. energy is taking its place? Yeah, that's a great point. You know, one of the questions I asked you was, is there anything about astrology that gives you pause or makes you skeptical? And when we think about astrology skeptics, one of the first arguments is, well, there are only 12 signs and not everyone can have the same characteristics as one twelfth of the population. Great. You're a skeptic. you clearly don't know much about astrology. But as someone who has studied her own chart and has studied astrology extensively, what's your take on maybe any moments where you've had a dark night of the soul around? Is this real? Does this make sense? When it comes to astrology? Yeah. Well, you know, right now I'm going through a Neptune transit. So Neptune's conjunct my sun and it will be. What does that mean? 
So Neptune is in the same place in the sky as my natal sun. So my natal sun's at 23 Pisces and Neptune's been like 22, 23 Pisces for a minute now. Um, I think it might be at 23 right now. So what that looks like for somebody is like Neptune is dissolution and fogginess. And it's like a really mixed bag the way I see it. It can be a spiritual transcendent healing experience or it can be confusing and delusional, you know? And so knowing that I do have to, I feel like I think a little bit harder about what I'm doing because I'm like, I know I'm on like a spiritual roller coaster right now, basically with Neptune. (laughs) And that probably has ushered in what is happening to me in my life with astrology. In the same breath, I don't feel like this is a fleeting hobby for me. This Mm -hmm. has totally opened up my world. And as somebody with my, my Gemini moons in my ninth house, which is like the house of astrology. And I have two other planets there too. Like, I just know that this is something that is going to be with me for a while. So I just try to be a little mindful of my beliefs, you know, like try to be a little skeptical and more discerning because with a lot of Pisces placements, that can be a little tough for me. Um, I get carried away with the ethers. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. But other than that, I'm not a skeptic of astrology at all because I don't see it like one of the books that I've been, I start and stop books like constantly. One of the books Same. that I started and stopped, <laughs> but I will finish at some point. It's called the. Of Moment. course, right? We yeah. always finish the books. <laughs> it just they may sit next to our bed for two years, but we will finish them. <laughs> right, right. So this book is called The Moment of Astrology. He talks about what astrology is and what it's not, and like the mistake or the pitfall of trying to call it a science. Because it's not. It's a divination practice. Like, it's not a science, the way that we've defined science. And so I I guess what I'm saying is I don't really try to critique it because I, Mm -hmm. I see it as its own thing that, like, just because we can't prove why something is true doesn't mean that it's not true. And I think to immediately dismiss astrology because you can't prove it is very like it it demonstrates a lot of hubris on the part of Mm -hmm. a human because we like we don't know that much we just don't know (laughs) we just don't know you know my mentor rick levine he he has like a million aries placements and so he's always ready to go in and you know fight um but (laughs) i think it was on the astrology hub podcast and he was talking about some astronomer who was going on on Twitter about how astrology is fake and all that stuff. Mm. And one of his like first comebacks to people who are skeptical of astrology is to say like, I also don't believe in astrology, meaning I don't believe in the astrology that you believe in that doesn't do all the things that it actually does because you don't, you haven't actually looked into astrology. You don't understand astrology. You haven't made the effort to see why it works. So I always think that's really interesting with, with anything that people are coming to with an opinion without background information is like, oh, I don't believe in what you believe in either. <laughs> like that doesn't that doesn't exist to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that. Let's pull up your chart. Okay. I pulled it up to look at your 
Neptune transit. There right she goes. Yep. Right on your sun. So that's exciting for you. <laughs> lot, things are to, happening. Yep. I believe it. It's easy to talk to you about all of these things and just like rattle off like, oh, Neptune conjunct your sun. But this podcast is for everybody. So I think when we're talking in general about any of these outer planets, the Neptunes, the Uranus, the Pluto, what's your take on when you have a transit by one of these outer planets to a specific place in your natal chart? And how would you say that's different than a Mercury or a Venus? Oh, that's a great question. So I'll say this. I don't track the daily transits very closely because Mm -hmm. I found for me personally that it creates unnecessary anxiety sometimes. But I do still have like a general idea of what's going on. And I do try to reflect on stuff after it's happened. That's really when Mm -hmm. I prefer to think about the transit. So that's the first thing I'll say. But as far as like noticing a difference, you know, if it's anything but a conjunction, that's a lie. I'll say if it's a conjunction or an opposition, you're going to notice it. That's been my experience. The other aspects, I personally don't notice most of the time unless I like stop and think about it. But for me in 2021, when or was it 20? It was 2020, I think when um, Saturn and Pluto conjoined. That was during my Saturn return, and I definitely felt that. Like, that was a very powerful moment in my life, and without, like, having done a lot of research on other times things like that have happened, I would say, generally speaking, like, you're going to notice transits from those planets, regardless of if they're inner or outer. I just pulled this up for January of 2020, and I think it's a really interesting question for everyone to look at in terms of what was going on in their personal chart, because, you know, we saw this huge global shift, right? Because of what was happening in Capricorn with Saturn and Pluto, and then Jupiter was thrown into the mix. And obviously we saw that playing out on the world stage, but as you talk to people, and I'm sure you experience this with yourself, (laughs) which you just talked about in clients, it's interesting to see what else was going on for people in their personal charts during that time. Because yes, astrology can tell you about what's happening in the world outside your window, but everything that happens in the world happens somewhere in our natal chart too. So Mm. for anyone listening, you know, like paying attention to your Capricorn house, because that was the area of your life that this all would have kicked off on. And then if you have any planets in that house, which you have three, (laughs) so that's an extra bonus of kind of the impact that you feel from from this massive transformation and to have it happening near your Saturn return, like, wowza, (laughs) that's a lot. I mean, this was the awakening, like this was the start of it. So you can see it for sure. Yeah. And was this around the time that you like felt your rock bottom or like were like the tarot or astrology? Is this all kind of So this actually started all of that in December, basically three days before the chart that we're looking at, I decided Mm -hmm. to stop drinking, which was like never something I would have even considered doing prior to this day. But I kind of had a like come to Jesus moment where I blacked out and it was really scary. And that was like something Mm -hmm. I'd done before, but there was something really different about this time. Honestly, I chalk it up to the astrology, like Pluto was there. And I felt like I almost died. 
Like, so it scared me and Mm -hmm. I decided to stop, even though I was like kind of hesitant. And that is what propelled me to keep going on my wellness journey because I found that like, it was actually easy for me to not drink. And that was really surprising to me, but it also gave me a lot of like courage and hope that I can feel happy because I kind of had this like low grade sadness all the time Mm. and I never really knew what to do with it. I thought I was just like, there was something wrong with me that I was just going to feel this way, you know? And Mm. when I stopped drinking and that feeling kind of subsided, I was like, oh no, actually it was, I was drinking a depressant Mm -hmm. most days, which like no shade if anybody out there drinks, I honestly like please make your own decisions, you know, (laughs) but that that was just my insight was like, okay, that was a big reason why I felt the way I felt. And Mm -hmm. I would later realize it was also because I didn't know who I was. So that's kind of how it all started. When I think just looking at your chart, this all happened in your fourth house, which to me, you know, the, the top line is home and family. But really, if we're looking at it in the scope of the sun rising and the sun setting. This is the darkest part of our chart. It's the most tender part of our chart. It's where we keep our secrets. And like for all of this to be happening there, it's not only a rebirth. I think that was the word that you used. No, awakening. Kind of the same thing, I guess. But it's not only an awakening of kind of the Saturn return responsibility. What am I doing? Am I a grown up now? Like, how am I going to move forward with that? But gosh, this transformation, (laughs) like in that most tender part of your chart, like in some ways it's a blessing because there's, there's literally, you can only go up from there. Like you can only move forward and you can (laughs) only move above the horizon. And by the time you come back down, to that fourth house, you know, if we're talking about the timing technique of perfections, like just imagine how much you're going to learn over the course of the next nine years. I have to do math. (laughs) Um, The next however many years until you're back in the fourth house. So the next time you're back into your Capricorn house, like you'll number one, be a totally different person, but that part of yourself that's like super tender and that was previously maybe feeling a little exposed or that you hadn't really gotten in touch with, you're going to be able to actually work the magic of connecting to your ancestry, your roots, like all the things that you were born into and kind of use that maybe as a, what's that word? (laughs) Jumping off point. (laughs) Use that as a jumping off point to just continue your, your self-growth and your self-awareness. Totally, totally. And, you know, looking at this chart when I started getting into astrology was one of the things that really sold me because even like being pretty brand new, I could see that this was pretty major, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, and even, I mean, the next thing that stood out to me is your south node in the 12th house, right? So that maybe comfort zone is the wrong word to use here, but the the feeling of being comfortable with 12th house themes of addiction and escapism and really leaning into after your kind of awakening in the fourth house to your north node to really turn that into a spiritual experience and to move forward to like, what would my higher self want? Like, what do I need to do in order to become my highest self? 
Yeah, I definitely think that that was like key for me understanding my Pisces placements in general is that it's it has a lot to do with spirituality. And obviously I had to like accept that that was something I wanted first because I had a lot of hangups. But yeah, I, the South Node and the 12th, I honestly haven't thought about a ton because it is a little elusive to me. Mm-hmm. You know, when I see it, I think about anxiety. I think about feeling other and Mm -hmm. like inherently, you know, like Mm -hmm. separate from people. And you know, with the hard stuff in your chart, it's kind of like, okay, well, what do I do with that? Like, (laughs) you know. Well, and you don't deal with it until you have to deal with it most of the time. Right. But I think that's why astrology kind of gives you, it allows you to collapse the timeline because you can do the work before that hard placement or challenging placement comes and smacks you across the face in real life. Right. <laughs> so you can kind of prepare for it. And I think it's funny that you're saying that your South Node in the 12th house eludes you because that's what it's meant to do there. <laughs> it's, it's like literally right. just like hiding, like you can't see me. Um, you're right. But when we talk about the South Node as well, like it's your gifts. It's what comes naturally to you. So yours is in Virgo. Do you identify with Virgo characteristics? Like, do you feel comfortable with Virgo characteristics? You know, I don't. I I would say I currently identify a lot more with my Pisces placements. And for me, when I look at my 12th house, like the, the most prominent Virgo in my life is my dad. And that's what I think about a lot when I think about my South Node and like the the ways I was taught to be like the ways I was raised and like, you know, that I don't know if that's really about the 12th house, but it is like the subconscious belief of like, this is how you are. And so I guess what I'm saying is I've had a hard time finding the gifts. So I haven't really looked mm-hmm. for them. Do you mind if I share one Please. that I know no, just from my, <laughs> you know, Virgo is the sign of the healer. And I think that that's one that gets overlooked constantly because people just see structure and organization and, detail-oriented and all of that stuff. And I think kind of shifting the perspective to Virgo being the the sixth house stuff, the daily work and the routine, like I find it to be lost in that because when you, like the image that comes to mind is like when I go to Mexico, there are all of these women who are in the bathroom cleaning at the airport who are just so diligent. And when I was just there a few months ago, the back of their shirt said something to the effect of like cleaning is love. And, you know, Virgos are probably more aligned with cleaning than other signs. Um, (laughs) But it's that connection between like, I don't know why this is coming to me, but like cleanliness is next to godliness, but in like the most beautiful way, not the harsh, like do this because you have to, and your bed has to have perfect hospital corners and all of that. It's like, let me make this place beautiful and clean and safe and secure and make sure that it stays that way because this is my routine. This is my ritual almost to serve, to heal. And I I think, oh, I just got like, goosebumps. Yeah, I've never, I don't good. think I've ever given myself goosebumps before. <laughs> that was good. It was worth it. <laughs> but my mom is a Virgo and it's taken her, she's a Virgo sun, Aquarius rising. But over the past five years, she's always been like, I'm not a Virgo. I'm not detail oriented. I'm not organized. So apparently we both have like parental Virgo stuff going on. 
but over the past like five years, I'm like, no, look at like Virgo is so much more than just this little box. And I think just talking about how you see it as being elusive, you can't quite connect to it. That may be a part of it as well, because it's just innate to you to have that ability to heal, to serve others, to want to connect to others in that way. So that something to chew on. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. I definitely feel like service is like part of what I'm here to do based on other parts of my chart too. So that, that definitely lands. Ooh, let's talk a little bit about, again, this is kind of a special question because you're an astrologer, but the conjunctions that you have, right? So in your natal chart, oh, yeah. let me pull that back up. As much as we loved 2020, we don't need to stare yeah, at we can We can leave now. I'm good. Yes. Well, we'll time travel back up here. So, so you have a conjunction between Neptune and Saturn, which I a million percent want to hear your take on. And then Jupiter and Mars is another really close one. And then you didn't, I don't think you mentioned Mercury in your North Node. That's a, a bit farther apart, but what is your take on conjunctions and how do you see these like impacting who you are? Well, I think conjunctions are really interesting to think about because we see already how a planet is so multivalent mm-hmm. in all of the dimensions that it can express itself. Like one planet is already like could be expressed in infinite ways. Mm-hmm. So when you put two together, it becomes like literally infinite. Like you just could, it can show up so many different ways. It's like ways. infinity times infinity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not a mathematician, but I think that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> so, I just find myself always kind of chewing on them um, because also they will express themselves differently throughout your life as well. So I just find them really interesting to think about. And then for me, I I feel like mine are important because my conjunctions, there's both, both of them have dignity, meaning Saturn is in its home sign of Capricorn. So it's very strong, but Saturn's also my main malefic because I was born at nighttime. So, and it's, in the nighttime part of the chart. So all of that to say, like Saturn is very powerful and very like, I'm here to mess your life up. (laughs) So that has been important for me to think about because of course, when you see something in your chart that seems bad, you want to kind of get to the bottom of it and understand it more deeply. And then as far as my like Jupiter Mars conjunction goes, Jupiter is in its, is it in its fall or its detriment? I think it's in its detriment. Detriment. I always look up. Okay, good. Yeah, I don't either. Okay. (laughs) Jupiter is not happy. Jupiter is not having a good time in Gemini. And Jupiter rules Pisces, which is where a lot of my planets are. And (laughs) Mercury is in a, like a rough conjunction with my North Node. And Mercury also is in its detriment and fall. So I have like dinged up planets ruling the, the houses and the signs that have all of my planets essentially. And then Mars has like strength, but, or I'm sorry, Saturn has strength, but we don't really want Saturn to have strength. So that's really been important for me to sit down and think like, what does this really mean? Because I don't believe that like there's good and bad in your chart. It's all relative, right? What's good for you spiritually might feel really hard 
probably will feel really hard and vice versa. What's not great for you spiritually will probably seem great when you're doing it. So I've just had to really, it's been important for me to try to unpack how these things have shown up in my life so far so I can see how they've helped me. Because the the last thing my church should do is make me feel disempowered. That was, like, I didn't, I'm speechless. (laughs) (laughs) It was a lot. lot Well, no, just that last thing you said, like, the last thing your church should do is make you feel disempowered. I think... This is such a great example. And obviously, you know your chart better than the average Jill walking down the street. But I think the the message is that even if you have things that aren't great, right? And and everyone does. (laughs) Um, When you first start learning your chart, you're like, my sun's here and it's in this sign and it's in this house. And my moon is here and it's in this sign, it's in this house. And then you start learning about the angles and like maybe you have a lot of squares in your chart and those are super challenging and you're like oh I don't want all those squares like (laughs) please get me another chart right but like (laughs) as you start to learn whether you're you know your sun moon rising or um, your venus is in capricorn or you know these things that people see as like quote unquote bad I think it's very reassuring to know that The moment you took your first breath and your chart was imprinted, you were also given the ability to work with these energies. These energies are a part of you. They are not something that one day you're going to open the door and be smacked in the face with a natal, what do you have? Jupiter square to the nodes. It's not going to be a surprise. And again, the beauty of astrology is that you're getting a heads up about that. You're getting to exactly your point of being like, oh, this is not ideal. How has this expressed itself previously in my life? And like, what tools do I have either in your chart or life experience or otherwise to be able to work with these situations, but also to grow from them, right? Right. And that's how it's a spiritual practice because that to me, that's what spirituality is. It's that reflection that you were just describing. Like that's how we give meaning to our lives, mm-hmm. you know? I just think that's like so powerful. And that's really how you like talk about alchemy. Like that is alchemizing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're transmuting these things that at first glance are hard or bad. You know, if we're talking about the olden days astrology, (laughs) malefics and fall and detriment Mm -hmm. and all of these like super Mm -hmm. scary words. And we now have the ability as astrologers in 2022 to really see the scope of the entire human experience and view the fact that we have agency, we have choice. Mm-hmm. You're talking about Neptune conjuncting your sun and you know this major transit and you have the roadmap ahead of time to say, okay, like I know this is going to be X, Y, and Z, I'll probably have some surprises. I don't know exactly how Neptune's going to engage with my son at this point in my life, but knowing when you feel you have rose colored glasses on or you're getting a little too dreamy or you need to come back down to earth, you have the tool of astrology in the back of your mind to be like, ah, that's Neptune on my son. And like, I know that I can tap into another element or like find a place in my chart that will balance that out. Totally. Yeah. Cause it does give you a solution too. Like if you know it's Neptune, maybe you should ground a little bit. Mm -hmm. Well, and I was looking at your T-square 
which can often be seen as a challenging aspect in someone's chart. For anyone that has it, it's also one of the most activating aspects, right? That moves you forward and enables you to actually grow at kind of a rapid, <laughs> rapid speed to collapse those timelines. But for you, I'm just wondering, does your third house Sagittarius play into kind of balancing that out at all? Have you explored that? What's your connection to that part of your chart? So I just want to make sure for the, are you talking about the square between like Jupiter and Mars and the nodes? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I just want to make sure. Cause, um, and your Mercury okay. over so there. yeah. Yeah. I mean, squares are a huge part of my chart because, you know, it's a whole sign square with Pisces and Gemini. So I've, I've done a lot of reflection on squares and that has been the positive that I've gotten out of it is growth. Like we need the mm -hmm. friction to make growth happen. As far as like balancing with Sag, I have never thought about that. I've, um, yeah, tell me more. Yeah, it's it's kind of your release point, right? So the tension, you have the opposition between your nodes. Everyone has that. But mm -hmm. all of that is also directed with this challenge of the square to your Mars and your Jupiter. So these probably, you were talking about their placement here and how it's already a bit challenging for you, but it's probably has that extra boost of challenge just because of this tension that's pointing to them. So it's almost like a three-legged stool where this is the release point. So if you directly go across to the very cusp of your third house in Sagittarius, leaning into that energy, whether it's third house topics, like your communication, your, you know, neighborhoods, like all of those third house stuff, mm -hmm. or the Sagittarius side of it, which to me speaks of your exploration, your knowledge seeking, all of that stuff, obviously balancing out with that ninth house, higher, higher education. Maybe you've tapped into it and you didn't even realize it. Well, yeah, kind of as you were explaining it, I was thinking once I, so 2020 was like the year of me kind of coming into this learning. And then I would say like mid 20, I guess February of 2021, I had been sober for over a year. Or so, and I was like really feeling compelled to like create an Instagram. Like I wanted, I was ready to help people and I didn't really know who I was going to help. So I was like, I'm going to be like a sobriety advocate. You know, that was like originally what my Instagram was going to be about. And then I was like, you know, I'm not a therapist. I don't know if this is something I really want to like talk about forever. Like I do care about it. And I do think it's important sure. for people to, for the stigma of sobriety to end. Like, frankly, I think that's really important. But I realized that that wasn't really like who I was trying to help. So I think I did do that. You know, I was trying to create a community and find the community of people that I was meant to help. Um, mm -hmm. And I think I'm still doing that, you know? Yeah. And I mean, you were called to Instagram, which is <laughs> if we had to assign a house to Instagram, that would be the third house. <laughs> oh my God. That's funny. <laughs> Look, everything can be explained by astrology. I told you about that book, right? The one that like you can be like, what is cheese um, in astrology? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and it, it's the moon. Um, <laughs> I don't think Instagram's in there, but everything else is. <laughs> would be the third house for sure. Yes. Well, is there anything else you'd like to share about your astrological journey before we dive into some rapid fire questions? You know, I would 
just say if you're new to astrology, if you're wanting to get into it and you're feeling like overwhelmed or intimidated, you there's no rush. Take your time and do what you're interested in. If a placement is calling to you, explore it. You don't have to go in like a prescribed order. Just let it be fun because I feel like this journey of rediscovering yourself, if it's not fun, at least a little bit, like what's the point? <laughs> I love that because I think it's almost like this, it's a roller coaster ride when you learn about astrology because I feel like anyone who's listening to this podcast probably 99% know their sun, moon, rising and beyond. But as you start to explore and get deeper and deeper, there's the rabbit hole period (laughs) where you're like, okay, I'm going to learn everything about my chart, all my placements, all my aspects, all the houses, like all of that stuff. And then some people move on to the next rabbit hole, which is like, which house system do I want to use? Which books do I want to read? And then you get in big trouble because there's traditional astrology, there's modern, there's evolutionary, there's, you know, all of these different techniques and modalities and schools of thought. And like you hit a wall. I hit a wall personally. And it almost made me stop because it was too much and you get so overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And I think that can happen at any stage of your astrological journey, even if it's just moving from your big three to other planets, right? When you're just like, oh, I have to memorize these symbols. Oh, I have to memorize what these houses mean. Like, it's a lot. (laughs) And so I think that advice that you gave is so helpful because the, the right information will come to you. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason why I want to do this podcast, because, you know, maybe somebody else has their South Node in Virgo and have never really thought about those gifts or, you know, has a Saturn-Neptune conjunction in their chart. And I think that's one of the best ways to learn astrology rather than memorizing and reading books and all of that stuff is just talking about it and seeing what one of those infinite expressions of each planetary energy is so that you can then decide what that expression means to you and to bring it full circle, increase your self-awareness, increase your healing (laughs) and continue on your, your journey of growth. Hell yes. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready for my rapid fire questions. (laughs) Yep. I'm ready. Okay. Do you consider yourself to be more introverted or extroverted? Introverted. What do you think your superpower is? Caring. Oh, that's a nice one. (laughs) (laughs) What is your dream travel destination? Mm. This is going to be hard for you. I feel like you have like 20. (laughs) I don't know how I could ever pick. I mean, I've never been to the Pacific Northwest when I want to go there. Yeah. Like Pacific Northwest, um, Europe, I'll say Scotland specifically, and then I'll say Spain. Ooh, you could do both of those in one trip over a couple weeks. We'll have to look at your astro map. Yes. Well, we talked about this because you want to look at the Pacific Northwest and why you're like called there. Yeah, my son lines in Eugene, Oregon, so I got to go there. Yes. Oh my goodness. See why you're so shiny there. (laughs) I'm not making this very rapid fire. I'm just like starting a whole new conversation. How do you bring ritual into your daily life? In the morning, 
there's a ritual of waking up and doing yoga and a little bit of meditation. And I let it be fluid, meaning I don't always do the same thing, but I always like make time for myself in the morning. And I try to remember, and I don't always remember, but I try to remember that everything can be a ritual. The only thing that you need for a ritual is intention. You heard it here first from the self-help witch. <laughs> That's going on the it's quotes. True. It's true. It's true. <laughs> I love it. Last but not least, where do you shine brightest in your life? In relationship. I'm a Libra rising. I just, I love having a partner and being able to talk through something with somebody. And I love helping people. And I'm happy to do it now because I can do it in a way that doesn't violate my boundaries or, you know, harm me. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much. I learned so much just talking to you about your story. So did I. I'm so excited to keep talking to you about astrology and all of the amazing work that you're doing and your locational astrology. We'll do that soon. So where can people find you? So I'm on Instagram at selfhelpwitch. And then my website is selfhelpwitch.com. So either of those places. And then, of course, the podcast, which is also Self-Help Witch. Cool. Thank Thank you. you Yes, thank you for having me. I learned a lot, too. That really was so helpful, though, because it's really hard to look past the, like, scary things. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, that was super helpful. So thank you a lot for that. Oh, for what? Oh, just like the points you were making about my chart. Like that was like really nice like reframe. Like it was a, a perspective that I hadn't seen before. So it was like, yeah, empowering. It was. You're welcome. Yeah. I know it's always a little nerve wracking to talk about someone's chart who knows about astrology, but I think like this is a perfect example of how cool it can be, right? Like it's just like yeah. <laughs> your South Node keeps making me laugh because it's like, of course you can't see it. <laughs> it's literally just that you need someone to tell you about it because it's just hiding from you. <laughs> yes, totally. Well, right. thanks for having me. Thank you so much. And thank you for being so open. Bye. Enjoy your night and I will talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. That whole conversation with Dee was so insightful. I just love the way that she helped me shift my perspective on what self-help is and how to be intentional about the spells that we're crafting every day in our everyday lives, whether we know it or not. We spent quite a bit of time talking about Dee's chart. Her chart will be in the show notes if you're interested in looking at it. If you would like a reading with me to take a look at your birth chart, you can find that at cosmicmoves.com shop. I offer a few different readings and I would absolutely love to work with you. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, please share with a friend. That's one of the best ways that I can think to grow this community. And of course, if you're interested in notifications for when the next episode is going to come out in a couple of weeks, please make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're so inclined, I would always appreciate a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. That would just help the podcast get more visibility and it would mean a lot to me. So wherever you are, Here's wishing you a stellar day and talk to you next time. Bye.